I have already obtained this, or am already perfect. But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe I should start it by Diamonds are forever. (laughs) And then I thought, Got myself a crying, talking, sleeping, walking, living doll. Gotta do the best to please her, just cause she's a living doll. Got a roving eye. (laughs) Well, I hope that uh, is okay for you. It's lovely to be here, honestly. My heart is um, well chuffed to, to come and to be here this morning. I've been looking forward to this for a long while. When I, when I went to Haywood in 1966, do you know, I've known you both for 50 years. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Straight after I was born. <laughs> when I went to Haywood in 1966... There was a couple there. They were called Sam and Bessie Pogson. And uh, they were good people. Good people. And I, I often think about them. I still have uh, both their photographs up in my, uh, in my uh, study office. Uh, and I see the, look at them every day and, and, and thank God for them. But you know, it's a strange thing. But... Up here in the Rossendale Valley, if, if a few years ago you'd gone to Zion Clafold, you'd have found a couple. That's it. You've got it. Yep. John and Alice Talbot. I don't know what it is, but somehow along the line, up in the Rossendale, we just seem to breed this kind of people. If, if you went over that way, I think it's that way, you, you would come to an area called Acre Mill. And a few years ago, you would have come across um, Alan and Betty Webb. They were like uh, your grandparents, but just, just a bit better. Well, of course, if you went over the tops there, as some of you have done, to Goodshaw, you would have come across a couple there. They're called Jean and Harry Sidebottom. Of course, if you went to K Street, Rottenstall, I've never preached at K Street, Rottenstall. I don't know why. It might be for the simple reason that one day I said, you know, if you want to clap your hands, please do so. If you come from Rottenstall, from K Street, you can rattle your jewelry. <laughs> but whatever it, was, whatever it was, I got into serious bother. But 
there's a couple there. Now, they're not Rossendalians, but I tell you what, they're as good as, because you would have come across some people called John and Jean Pryor. They came from down south, but they made their home in the north. And of course, if you came to Lum, there's Jim and Beryl. And it's right through those churches, and that, that area is dying off. It's dying off. But never mind. These were couples that, that never lost hope, who, uh, who pressed on through thick and thin, pressed on regardless. So Jim, Beryl, I want to draw your attention to this passage here in Philippians. If you've got it there in your Bible, open it up. It's chapter 3 and verse 12. 60 years married. That's, that's wonderful. That's great. But listen to this passage. Not that I've already obtained all this. That's the power of his resurrection. The fellowship in his sufferings. Nor have I been made perfect. Because you too... You too have shown us what you see is what you get. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've been made perfect. But I think it's true and I, I, I would, you know, take anybody on on this that you've taught us to be honest in life's appraisal. You are an actual couple you're not fake faces. You, you don't go around with a mock tan. There's no phony beliefs about you. What you see is what you get. And when, looking back, when your dreams have been dashed, and when your children have struggled, and when life has sometimes fallen on hard times... And when sometimes bitterness has, has tried to take us over, you've come up and you've said, it's not that we have already obtained all this or we've been made perfect. And that says to me, it is what it is. And that's always, I think, Jim, Beryl, your starting point. It is what it is. We've not arrived. We've not arrived. It's been a long journey, but there's no stopping us now. And moments when you both have struggled with the church and with faith, it is what it is. Not that I've already obtained all this, or I've been made perfect. And I think one of the secrets, Jim, Beryl, that you have imparted to the church, not just here, but it is catch 
the big picture. Catch them. Because sometimes we don't see the big picture. But that doesn't mean to say there is no big picture to be seen. So in 1967-68, I attended a meeting. It was a meeting that was chaired by a man called Norman Jones. And it was to do with the churches in North Manchester, especially the churches in Rossendale. And at the end of the meeting, they decided they would draw up some facts and figures and they were laid out before the church. And this was the facts and figures. They said, we believe that maybe the churches in Rossendale have a future of 15 to 20 years, but nothing more. And then they added my little contribution. And the contribution was this. Unless the Spirit of God moves. And the Spirit of God did move and has moved. And when we admit we're we're not as wise and as strong as we think we are, we come to a God in Christ that is stronger and wiser than we could ever imagine. Because as positive as you think back over your whole life and those, those 60 years of marriage, that God in Christ has been more to you than you could ever, ever imagine. Not that I've already obtained all this or that I've been made perfect. But look, this is what he says. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I think here, I've got to say, you've shown us about a desire that God planted in your hearts that has never faltered, never diminished. And that light has never gone out. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I can remember the moment when God took hold of my life in Christ. And you look back and you can remember that day. You can remember the day when you were baptized. A day got hold of you. A day when salvation came into your life. And slowly you began to discover God's purpose for you. And you pressed on together. And what impresses us is this. Together. That's what impresses us. And that's why we gathered together this morning. To praise God and to thank God for that togetherness. I know pressing on takes hard work, and I know being married takes hard work. I don't know how these Mormons get on with five or six wives. I have difficulty with one. <laughs> to take, but hard work, hard work 
You've never been afraid of that, have you, both of you? Never. Hard work to press on. The God who took hold of you will never let you go. The church here at Lum has never been an interest group for you. It's been your life. It's been about a God who will never let you go. Christianity, the great thing, Jim and Beryl, is is that Christianity to you both was never an accessory, a fashion accessory. It's never been a, a Gucci handbag. It's been your life. And it's been spent up to press your lives getting hold of that for which Christ got hold of you. Complacency has never been a road that you've been down. Why? Because you pressed on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Complacency has never been a road you've ever been down. Oh, thank God. Thank God, Jim, Beryl, for the day in which God took hold of you. To press on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Preachers are known for asking questions. And I need to ask you all, do you know that God has taken hold of your life? Because if you don't, you are missing out on the thrill and the joy of being in Christ. The lovely thing is always, is that God comes and says, I'm not finished with you yet. Why? Because I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm not finished with you yet. I press on. But listen, there's something else. Because this this is a lovely bit. You've shown us about putting what I would call backbone into Christian living. A bit of backbone. Now I know now that as age comes on, we, we all tend just to get that little bit forward stoop. Well, that's fine. But you put backbone. You put backbone into this church to show that you put backbone into the living of this Christian life. This is what, what the apostle says. One thing I do... Forgetting what is past and what is behind, straining towards the goal to what is ahead. The lovely thing about you both is you've never retired. You've never retired. You've kept a future vision of the church before your eyes and before the eyes of the church. It's one thing I do. I'm forgetting what is past 
What is behind and straining towards the goal to which is ahead? There is something about you, Jim and Beryl, that I would put down to as a single-minded couple. This one thing, to see a viable church at Lum. Oh, it took some concentration, because I'm thinking back, because I can remember once or twice sitting down with you, and you're wringing your hands sometimes, Beryl, and thinking, I don't know what's going on. But you were single-minded. One thing I do. Because listen, Jim, Beryl, greatness comes from the one thing. The one thing that has been on your heart and your mind, that's where greatness comes. And I want to say this day, well done, good and faithful servants. You've worked at it, this one thing. You've worked at it. Well done. There's a guy called Roger Bannister. Oh my, that's got one or two of you thinking. Yes, remember Roger Bannister. Well, you know, up till he broke the record, everybody believed that you could not run a mile under four minutes. It can't be done. That was the belief. Can't do it. It's impossible. Don't have the lung power. Don't have the strength. Interesting. Because Roger Bannister ran a mile under four minutes. And our beliefs were wrong. In fact, just listen to these figures. 20,000 People have run the mile under four minutes since Roger Bannister did it. And some of those were 18-year-olds. Because you've taught us sometimes that we need to have a belief that's about today. There are times, Jim, Beryl, you know, when I read history, it's quite something. When I read about the churches in the Rossendale Valley, it's quite something. But I'm reading about Because we're in the presence of people who are not reading history but are writing history. Writing history. Now, do you have that kind of imagination of what's possible at Lum here in this chapel? 
in this area. It's to forget what's behind. That just means don't get locked in the past. I don't want to. I, I, I want to remember the past mercies of God. I want to remember the great times of God. I can remember as a young lad on, on a stage here playing with, with my guitar. This would be in 1964. Making a one hell of a racket. But in my imagination, I knew that something would come out of that and come out of that music, and it did. I don't want to be locked in the past. No. I don't want to forget past mercies. I don't want to forget about the goodness of God in my life. But I know what it means for me to live as Christ. And to die is gain. To be a church that will not be dragged back into the past. To let go of the past. And leave it behind you. By all means, by all means, learn from the past. But don't live in it. God's name is I am. It is not I was. It is I am. One thing, forgetting what is past, what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. I press on ahead. I press on. The encouragement that you've given to men and women. The encouragement that you're given to me, Beryl, Jim, has been incredible. There are moments when, when I've hardly been able to literally crawl through the door. But the encouragement that you've given, you've been always helpful. And they say as a preacher, we should never make things personal. Well, I am making it personal, to thank you. Thank you. What that means to me, that you're always there. And so, I want to take the next step with you. I want to press on. Why? Because the will of God is not a destination the will of God is the journey. Ooh, you got that one? The will of God is not a destination. The will of God is a journey. It's a journey. And we journey it together. Finally, Jim, Beryl, last point. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The lovely thing about you both is this. You've shown us that you have a future. And that future's good. And God will have the last word always. And it'll be good.
You've been history makers here at Lum. And all of us have been part of it. I'm, I'm just wondering if there's one or two of you who are going to stand out and say, I want to contribute a verse. I want to contribute a verse to this wonderful story of Jesus Christ and his work here at Lum. That somehow, oh, Beryl, 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 that your story and God's story one day will be interwound with each other. And that's why when we sing sometimes, this is my story, I'll say to people, no, no, the last verse says this, this is our story. Not only our story, but God's and ours that God links together and weaves together. That you, your story and God's story become one. That's what salvation is about. That what we could never do, God has come and done in Christ. But he's saying, I want to take your story. And I want to bind that to my story. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God calls me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that word. It's called heavenward. Oh, love it. Do you know, it's, it's, it's more impressive by being undescribed. I think sometimes we want things to be described, don't we? We want them to be sorted out and to be described so that we, we, we've, we've got hold of it. But, but Paul doesn't. He just says this. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which you're calling me heavenward. This isn't whistling in the dark. Got no time for that. This isn't pseudo-pop speculation on life. This isn't guesswork. This is not some self-help philosophy. This is not, well, it's the best I can do or I can come up with. This is the prize for which God has called us heavenward. This is the purpose of life. He is calling you heavenward. Do you sense that this morning? The call of God is drawing you heavenward. Because this is the way of self-sacrifice. I can't see life making any sense at all without self-sacrifice. Because isn't it the way that the Master tread? The way there on the cross that he hung and died. A way of self-sacrifice. The way that the sins of the world were, were put on his shoulders for you and for me. For without God, life does not make sense. And so you may feel sometimes in, at dark times, you may feel 
sadness beyond words. Well, congratulations. You are about to walk into the light. Into a brilliant future that is for us in Christ Jesus. You've been called. And not only that, you heard his voice. You heard his voice. Well, Martin Luther had, Luther King, that is, had a dream, hadn't he? Oh, wow. I have a dream. Oh. That one day, my little black boy might walk down the streets of Alabama holding the hand of a little white girl. I have a dream. When you've heard a voice, that's calling you heavenward. And I know it was him. Because I've heard the same voice myself. Calling me heavenward. To a moment when no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no what the heart of man has, can ever conceive is what is prepared for those who love him. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God, calling me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I'll leave you a little bit of story. He. The lovely thing, you know, Jim Beryl, about being called heavenward is this. I'm nearer now than I was last month. I'm nearer now. So a little story for you. Father takes three lads out into the uh, snow, and there's a field there, and he sets them up in the field, and he goes to the other side of the field, and the, the, the instruction is that on his clap, they run. Whoever gets the straightest set of footprints, wins the prize. And his dad said, are you up for it, boys? And he said, we are, we are, we are, we are, we are. Why do kids always have to repeat things? We are, we are, we are, we are, we are. And so he set them up. And he was there. And he went. And off they set. And as they were moving in the snow, one of the lads started to look at his feet to see if he was going in a straight line. Another looked at his brothers to see how they were doing. But the other lad fixed his sight, his gaze on his father, at the other side of the field, and he ran. And he won the prize. Because, listen, Jim and Beryl, we're singing songs of expectation, and we're marching to the promised land. I am not going into heaven scraping on my hands and knees. I am not just about possibly maybe making it. I'm marching to the promised land. I'm marching. And God's promised. And that promise is for you this morning. I will never leave you or forsake you.
destined for glory. You're destined for glory. And we're marching to the promised land. You've been an inspiration to me. And I thank you both. And if I've made it too personal, tough. And you think I shouldn't have preached? Tough. And if you say, he's gone on again too long. I'm sorry. (laughs) God bless you all on this great celebration day. Diamonds are forever, forever. Mr. Bond. Mr. Baslinger and Bond, God bless you. <laughs>